Welcome to the Mash Startup Podcast. Um, this is a very, very special episode. I say this every episode, but um, I don't think I'll ever stop. I think South Africa is very, very fortunate to have the entrepreneurs that it has and the people that it has that are constantly looking to build out organizations that can matter, organizations that do something that is amazing and something that really has impact for the future, right? And today's episode is with someone that's done exactly that in fashion and retail in a really, really big way. And I think it's someone that I've really wanted to talk to for a very long time, and I'm really excited for this conversation. Welcome, Inga. Uh, thanks, Mash. Thanks, Mash. And uh, I'm a big fan of uh, your podcast, actually. Yes, you do put pressure on me yeah, to yeah, release yeah. episodes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, on Twitter, like, Mash, where's the podcast? That's what you should be doing. Where is the podcast? You know? Well, I have like five other jobs. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it's even worse when uh, my wife uh, will be talking to me, you know, like, because uh, we listen, I sit there with my wife and listen to your podcast. And my wife, like, hey, Inga, Where's Mesh's podcast? I was like, I don't know. You know, like, let me call Mesh. You know, it's not nice when the wife would be asking you the questions. You know, applying pressure on me. So so I did apply pressure on you, basically. No, man. I, I appreciate the fact that you guys are listening, and I appreciate the pressure as well. Thanks, man. Thank you. Cool. Thank you. So let's get into your journey. I mean, where are you from? Just, like, beginning. Let's go to the very basics. Yeah. Where are you from? So I'm from a place called Ingalene in the Eastern Cape. You know, it's... Uh, Rural place, a village, so you know, so to say. Um, that's where I'm from. Uh, raised by my grandmother, and uh, later on, I uh, moved to Durban to go live to go live there with my grandfather, uh, whom uh, he inspired me a lot, actually. And uh, yeah, that's that's where I'm from. And uh, I did my high school in Durban, and then uh, later on moved to Cape Town to go study design over there. So that's, that's a lot of different influences like Eastern yeah. Cape Durban Cape Town mm-hmm. where would you say you really got um, a passion for doing what you do now honestly I would say like the passion it, it really came from the Eastern Cape because growing up I used to I didn't know I was a designer but now that I think about it I've always been a designer so I used to like build like those little car wires you know like uh, uh, play with the mud, you know, like uh, shape cows, you know, like with the mud and stuff like that. But because of uh, the exposure, I remember when I was in Durban, I started watching a lot of uh, top billing, you know, there was a slot there called uh, DIY with Aiden Bennett and uh, some other guy, but it was in top billing, where they used to like just build things, you know, like uh, on the spot. And I was like, you know, I really like what these guys are doing. I wonder what is it that they study. Yeah. Uh, I just didn't know what they studied, basically, you know? And then I asked my, uh, my grandfather, at least my grandfather was well aware of these things because he was in the media space, you know? What is this guy studying? And he said, he said to me, graphic design, you know? But I didn't know what graphic design is, you know? But at least he had an idea of what graphic design is, you know? Uh, but it turned out that it's actually not graphic design, it's rather industrial design. Mm. that they they started their background to do what they do. Uh, then I did my research uh, when I was in high school. Uh, I enrolled at DUT to study uh, arts and design, which was a foundation to design, exposing you to like uh, different uh, design methodologies and uh, techniques and courses, basically. Um, and then I was told at DUT that they don't offer industrial design while I was there. Uh, they recommend that maybe I go over and study at uh, in Cape Town. So that's when I went to Cape Town, basically. Yeah. yeah. So 
I mean, you're studying this course, obviously, mainly because you wanted to learn more about design and stuff like that. Um, do you feel like it was important for your journey to have that education? Do you feel like there was a natural talent already? I think there was a natural talent, <coughs> sorry, to begin with. <coughs> Uh, but that needed to be uh, advanced and uh, nurtured, you know. And I'm very fortunate that I actually nurtured that myself. No one assisted me in doing so, you know, because I knew what I wanted. You know, I knew what I wanted to become. Uh, and I knew what my passion is. You know, it's always been design. You know, I knew that from, from, from the word go, from high school, in fact, you know. I didn't beat about the bush and try and impress the parents that I want to study accounting, I want to study these. Oh, so, so you didn't do what the rest of us do? No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. Mm. So I've always, I've always known, you know, that it would be uh, design. One way or another, what I didn't know is that which form of design. That's, that's what the difference yeah. is, yeah. So when you started studying, obviously, industrial design in Cape Town, um, what, did you already start experimenting with different products? and building out sort of what would become your business now? Not exactly. What I did not know, though, is that I'll become an entrepreneur. That, I didn't, that part I didn't know. What I knew, though, is that uh, I will become a designer. And I already had, like, the, the, the good set of skills, you know. Uh, I remember when I dropped out uh, from uh, CPET, I told my friends that they will find me in the industry. Because I felt like, without being arrogant, I was so good, so much that uh, even my lecturers couldn't believe it, you know, like, <laughs> and I was there, and I thought like, my lecturers were just talking rubbish, you know, like, w I can do this, but, but, but you must remember, in university, it doesn't matter how good you are, you need to respect the systems, you know, it's all about the systems and the structure, mm. because that's what, you know, school is all about ultimately it's about system structure and discipline now i lacked the discipline you know like uh to abide by the system mm. and therefore i was like you know what i'm gonna drop out in fact i'm gonna start my own thing so i dropped out and this is obviously where the entrepreneur in you is already now coming out Absolutely. and rebelling <laughs> yeah i just rebelled just you know like we'll get a brief i'll do my own thing altogether mm. i didn't care yeah. You know, and uh, they'll pass me sometimes, they'll fail me sometimes. They'll fail me because I didn't follow the brief. And often I found the brief wrong. Mm. You know, I was like, I mean, you can't possibly make us, you know, design like a, a clock in a particular way that you want us to design it, you know? Mm. I would design it my way. So I was more rebellious so to say like you said yeah <laughs> so when does your entrepreneurial journey actually begin so my entrepreneurship journey began when um with a group friends of mine uh we did a uh, clothing line called uh, lollipop which was around about the same time when the t-shirts were really big like your my keep and stuff like that and uh, it failed <laughs> much like point. most of the t-shirt yeah, companies that yeah, it, fa it failed b before we can uh, even enter the market properly you know mm. it, it just it was just a fail um, it was a fail because uh, we were younger you know the egos were big you know like between myself and uh, my partners then 
you know, like I had uh, two partners, you know, we're just, you know, clashing, you know, like all the time. So that's how come it fit. But we had something really good going on in as far as design is concerned, you know, and uh, the aesthetics and everything. Um, and then I moved to Joburg, worked there a little bit as an interior designer. Uh, worked for like uh, six months or so. Uh, I remember my ex-boss said to me, you know what, uh, because I was so in, in into this thing, you know, I was bringing the clients, I was doing the design, I was presenting, I was winning, you know, like all the uh, the peaches and everything like that, you know, uh, through my designs and stuff in my presentations. And I remember my boss, uh, Riz Riaz, he said to me, I don't think you should work for me. I think you should start your own thing. You have it in you. That's what he told me in his own words. You have it in you. Go out there. I'm not firing you, but I'd like you to resign. Go out there and, and, and start your own thing and just be great. I knew, of course, that I wouldn't start an interior design company. It's a bit intricate, you know what I mean? Like, you need, like, a nice pool of clientele and a good network and so forth and so forth, you know? Uh, especially what we were specializing in, because we were specializing in there, like, uh, in um, residential, basically. So you need to have, like, a very nice uh, pool of good high net worth individuals, you know, like in order for you to get some really good clients. Mm. Because if you don't, you won't have uh, some good clients. So I didn't have that network and it was going to take me longer to, to have that network. Uh, moved back to Cape Town to figure out what I'm going to do because I felt like Cape Town was, you know, like my home sort of thing. My friends were there. Everybody that I knew was there mm. from varsity and stuff. So, yeah, that's when now I started... Um, uh, I, I had this desire to build furniture uh, and then I started a company called uh, Indalo Decor mm. in Cape Town so I was doing furniture there and bespoke furniture pieces and stuff like that and uh, I got a training from uh, Fantech to, uh, to manufacture furniture so I was just a designer but I didn't know how to manufacture furniture so I was taught there for a year on how to manufacture furniture, you know, like uh, wood, uh, using steel, using a glass, different methodologies, basically, you know, of manufacturing. And uh, from there, what I discovered was that, you know, when a person buys a coffee table, they buy it once probably in 10 years. You don't have to buy a coffee table. It's not a frequent, mm. frequent thing. So now the model is also not what I wanted, you know, it's not good for business, I would, I, would, I would say, because when a person buys, you know, like a dining table also, they buy it once and probably like once, you know, in their lives, they, won't, they don't buy it frequently. So I said to myself, you know, I need to find something that uh, can yield good results in as far as cash flow is concerned, you know, and not like once of something, you know, like that, something that's an everyday use, you know, that's more frequent, yeah. And I was like, oh, what am I going to do now? I remember visiting uh, the Woodstock Exchange. You know, I used to see all these Cape Town hipsters, you know, like with the leather products, you know, with the cool sunglasses, wooden sunglasses, you know, that they make. And I was like, wow, this is, this is really cool, you know? And then I couldn't sleep after that. I was thinking, like, what can I possibly come up with, you know, like that can yield good results in as far as a good business model? And then I remember seeing... Uh, sunglasses that, are, that were made out of wood. I was like, wait a minute. Why is it that there's sunglasses made out of wood, but there's no bags made out of wood? Mm. That's when now I started 
researching more and uh, prototyping um, uh, wooden bags. Uh, so I prototyped for like uh, four months uh, these wooden bags, uh, wood with leather. And uh, I came up with a finished product, which actually worked absolutely perfectly. And I was like, wow, this is, this is great. And then I asked my friends, like, what do you think of this? What do you think of this? And everybody was just blown away. That's when I started uh, thinking that I've got something good going here. Um, I remember there was about to be Cape Town Fashion, Fashion Week coming. I went over there to Cape Town Fashion, sorry, to Cape Town Fashion Council. Uh, the then CEO was Ryan, uh, Brian Ramkilowan. And the Fashion Week was coming in in less than two weeks. So I walked in with in his office, no inter, no uh, appointment, nothing. I just have the product. Mm. I was carrying them like in a box, so I get there. So he was in a meeting cell, it's like, like a glass door sort of thing, so he could see me. So I'm still speaking to the ladies, they're still attending to me, uh, the receptionist like, what I'm here for, and do you have an appointment and whatever. I said, no, I don't. Uh, I said that uh, I would like to join the Cape Town Fashion Week uh, as a member, and I understand that there's Cape Town Fashion Week coming, and therefore, I'd like to showcase them. They told me that it's expensive to showcase the Yara Yara. It's, I think then it was 13.5 to showcase the I certainly don't have 13.5. All I know is I have good products, that's all. So he says, she says to me, they'd like to see my products. Then I opened the box, put them down like that. So Brian was about to finish the interview, so he only saw like something was happening, you know? Mm. Then when I took out the products, I could see like he's no longer concentrating, you know, in this meeting, you know, like he's, you know, he's busy, you know, like looking what, yeah, like what's, what's happening there, you know? And um, he came out, you know, and then he was saying the buys, you know, like uh, to the people I said we're meeting to. And it was like, Jesus, man, what is this? Who's, who's, whose products are this? I said, these are mine. Wow, this is crazy, man. Like, do you make them? I was like, yeah, yeah, I make them. No, 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 you know what? You're showcasing, you're showcasing, you're showcasing. Before I could even say anything <laughs> that I would like to showcase, you're showcasing, we're going to pay you with a, a designer. We're going to pay you. You pay through, like, which designer can, you can pay, pay me up with and whatever. And uh, there was a, a designer called Goat, you know, a uh, gift. His clothing line was called uh, Goat. It's like, cause goat. He's like, goat, uh, I've got a perfect designer for you. You take some images, you send them to goat, and goat's like, yeah, he loves the interview. In fact, please come here if you can make it this afternoon. Then goat came through, like, he was also blown away. You know, started styling the following day, like, of how the whole show is gonna be like, and yeah. whatever. And then that's how I got, uh, I got in. And uh, we showcased it at the Cape Town Fashion Week. And surprisingly, my product was the most spoken about product of the entire fashion week. That's crazy. I had like the likes of Chusu Anapa talking about it, R- Brian talking about it. I had so many interviews. It, it, it was just madness, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I couldn't believe. So that was the birth of Indaloteco as a wooden uh, products uh, brand. That's how it all started. That's incredible. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> we, we're producing this uh, podcast series in partnership with Yoko and mainly um it's about really telling the incredible stories of incredible entrepreneurs and the sort of work that they're doing and when you think about the challenges that entrepreneurs face the biggest thing that they really shouldn't be worried about is how to get paid so it should be easy for small businesses to get paid and that's why yoko makes it simple to get a card machine and start earning fast there are no contracts zero monthly fees and you and the yoko point of sale app comes free with your machine 
buyyoursatyoko.com. That's Y-O-C-O dot com. Use the promo code STARTMASH and get 500 rand off your device. I think, like, what's incredible about your journey is really just you walking into that, you know, office and saying, you know what, I'm just going to put my products here. I'm not, I, I don't have a plan. There's no roadmap. There's no formula here. I am going to put my products here. Let's see what that brings. I feel like we're missing that a lot lately. Like people are waiting to have the right validation before they even make the big jumps. Mm, mm. Like early on, what was driving you to make those jumps and make those leaps and take those risks and just go, you know what? I have nothing to lose I'm going to go to this guy's office. I'm going to show him this. Yes or no, whatever happens, I'm doing this. You know, uh, prior to that, you know, I was... Uh, I'm going to take it back a little bit. I was commissioned, you know, um, by the business wing of the ANC uh, with Gavin Raj to come up with some cool furniture for the ANC Mangawung conference, you know. And uh, when I produced this... Uh, Art pieces, you know, furniture pieces. So Gavin Raj came to me. Um, so we presented to Gavin Raj because he was the head uh, events coordinator for the for the event. He was like to me, you know what, Inga, this is appalling. This is terrible. Like the stuff that I designed. And he said to me words that actually changed my life without realizing. He says, you know what, Inga, you need to come up with something nice, man, you know. Like something beautiful. You don't want people to say that black people design ugly things. Because that's, you know, like also part of the stereotype in design that we, as black people, we design ugly things. Blow the world, you know, like just just, just design beautiful things. Mm. So like those words got stuck with me for the rest of my design career, actually. Till the day, I always think of that. I always think of his words. Um... So the reason why I did that, uh, walking in there, is because I believed in this product so much because you need to believe in your product first before anyone can believe in your product. You must be your biggest fan of your work first so that someone else can believe that you've got something good because if you don't believe in your work yourself, how do you expect anyone to believe in your work Mm. if you don't believe in yourself? So I think for me, that is very uh, critical. You know, like you need to believe. And secondly, people have this idea of perfection is good. But without a case study, you may never know, like, if you've got a bread product or not. Take what you can, test, you know, and, and, and see what the feedback is and improve from there. And mm. listen to people's critique, you know, so that it gives you a room for improvement, you know, yep. going forward. Otherwise, if you could have designed beautiful things and hold them back or whatever you do, the world may never see it. Mm. So you need to put it out there so that you open a room for critique and improvement and, and move forward. So that's what kept me going as well, you know? Um, yeah. So you, you started <coughs> initially with the wooden bags and sort of how did that business's um, growth and progression, what have you learned from that journey um, to what you're doing now? What I learned from the journey is, uh, geez, I uh, learned quite a lot of things. Um, I learned, number one, that it's very important to have uh, a right business partners. 
So when I did that business, uh, a then friend of mine approached me. He's like, hey, my sister would like to invest in this business. And uh, myself, you know, would like to get involved. Uh, I will be running, defining the roles now. Like, I'll be running the business and my sister is just going to be in, injecting uh, the money. You'll focus on design. Okay, great. Then they injected the money. It went well. Uh, we had a store in Waterfront at the time. And then we opened another one in Bramfontein. And then that's when, like, I moved to, uh, to Joburg, actually. But what I learned is, it's all good and great, you know, like, uh, when you still have the passion, the hunger, and the dream with your partners. But when the money starts flowing in, mm. it's a different case altogether, you know? Uh, it becomes very tricky. It becomes very tricky. So now, when the money st- started coming in, I saw, like, a different human being altogether. Yeah. And this guy was a, a friend of mine, mm. you know, and uh, a very good friend of mine since varsity. But when the money started coming in, everything that we had uh, sort of dreamed of, you know, uh, with the, for the business, it just all of a sudden changed. And that frustrated me because now we were no longer sharing the same values and the same passion and the same... It was all about just money, 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 money. Money for him, rather, you know? That's when the, the problems began, basically. So, like, what I would say is the key thing that I've learned is... In as much as it's difficult to say, like, I want a business partner that's like A, B, and C, it's all good and great to have that at the beginning, but wait until the money comes. That will determine the future of your partnership mm. because money is a source of all, of all evil after all. When the money is, is coming, you know, like you see different personalities now, you know, and, and change and whatnot. However, the tricky thing is that there's no formula. You may never know because... You don't have the money at the time. You may never know, like, what's going to happen, you know, when the money comes, yeah. you know? So th- those are some of the things that I've learned. But also, like, handling some really big money, you know, like, um, at, at, at Indalo Deco, it also opened my eyes, you know, like, uh, that actually you can do things this way, you can't do things this way, you know? So, so yeah, I learned uh, such things, basically. So, y- you had to obviously exit that business. Yes. Um, after, you know, everything that you went through. And just talk us through the journey that you've gone through to basically recreate and rebuild and pivot yourself as an entrepreneur and also as a designer and as a business as well. What's it been like completely starting over and, and finding a new journey and, and, and really re, rediscovering you know, your passion as well. Yeah. You know what, Mesh, I always say this, you know, like uh, entrepreneurship is, is the way of life, really. It's not uh, transactional necessarily, you know, uh, because if it was transactional, think about the times when, when you're starting out, when you don't have money, you'd immediately give up because the transaction is not happening, you know, what, which is what you're into. So it's the way of life, you know, with the obstacles and all these hardships that, that actually come your way, you still need to stand firm and believe in what you're doing. You know, whether you fail, you don't fail, you just have to keep marching on. So to answer your question is that because I've traveled the journey before and I believe that if you know your journey to Soweto, you won't get lost finding it again. <laughs> you know, you've traveled the journey. Yeah. In fact, because you've traveled the journey, 
you may even know shortcuts to get to Soweto. Yeah. Actually, I can get there using this way and whatever. And, you know, you, you even know the shortcuts now because you, you've traveled the journey, you know. Uh, that's the most important thing. So for me, making a comeback, you know, like uh, with a different uh, brand, uh, a different offering altogether, it was... Uh, it was bound to happen. You know, I believed in my product and I believed in my journey and I trusted my process. And uh, it took me a short while to get back to the game, you know, because I've traveled the road, I've been on this road before, and therefore it was uh, less difficult. It was really difficult, but less difficult uh, starting this brand because I knew what I was doing. I have traveled, I had traveled this journey before. It was just a matter of mastering it, you know, and I'm still in the process of trying to master this journey, you know, but the journey continues. But it was understanding the experience and using that experience from Indalo Deco and applying it to this business and having looked at all the mistakes that I'd done at Indalo and never to do them on this business again. Mm. So that's what it was all about. I mean, so your business sits at the intersection of design and retail. Yeah. Um, and you've done this throughout your journey, obviously, you know, through furniture and and then you know the wooden bags and now you know amazingly premium um leather goods yeah um what would you say is your assessment of the retail industry for young entrepreneurs in south africa right now who it's a i'll be very i'll be very frank uh it's very difficult it's uh it's tough mesh it's tough i always say this you know the biggest problem is not that we don't have a uh, talented designer, and I'm not even the most talented designer for that matter, but the key thing here is access to market. You can make the most beautiful products. I mean, like, you find guys in the township making, like, the most beautiful products, but their biggest disadvantage is the access to market. It's not about making beautiful products. It's about making beautiful products for the market, and you need to find that market. But now finding that market is very expensive. It's very costly. I'm going to make an example like a guy in uh, Soweto who's uh, making nice leather belts or whatever the case is. Uh, they might never actually access their market. I can tell you that right now, their market is not a person in Soweto. Their market is probably a person in Sentin. But now as to how they access the person in Sentin, that's where the trick is. Mm. It's a very costly exercise. Uh, when I say costly is opening a shop in Sentin is ridiculously costly. Having a kiosk in Sentin is ridiculously costly. So like it's all costly exercise. Not to mention that the retail at the moment is not doing so well mm. worldwide because of the... Uh, uh, economy, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not so good. People are cash strapped. So now, even if you were to open a shop, but now you still have to get used to the fact that the sales are not coming through nicely and so forth, you know, which is uh, what we're going through as well. The retail is not doing so well. It's not just us. It's just everybody. Mm. You know, it doesn't matter who it is. You know, especially like uh, when it comes to the sort of products we, we, we make. It's not a necessity, you know, it's just a luxury. It's, you know, a person doesn't have to buy a, part, a card holder. They can still survive with the old wallet that they have. 
they can still carry the same laptop bag that uh, they have because they cash strapped. You know, the economy is not so good. So the retail is the, the retail in general. You know, like on a global scale, is just not doing so good. And it's not, it's not even because of online. It's just that people just don't have money. Mm. That's it. When when you think about your journey, just like all the highs and all the lows, what would you say is like been a consistent thing that you've learned? Um, and something that you feel that other entrepreneurs really need to know and understand about this journey and about what it takes to be an entrepreneur and run a business? Oof. I think the first thing I'll say to anyone who wants to be an entrepreneur is that uh, first things first. Uh, this is probably the hardest thing I've ever done. I'm sure you'd understand entrepreneurship as yep. well. It's, 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 it's the most difficult thing. I don't think entrepreneurs, if, if you want to be an entrepreneur is, well, if you want to become an entrepreneur, uh, never think that you want to be an entrepreneur. Uh, don't get into it because you want to make money now. And I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs are very under pressure because uh, a lot of people, in fact, are very under pressure to start businesses because uh, of the lifestyle pressure. What they see on Instagram, you know, uh, someone in Bali, someone in Dubai, uh, someone with a Lamborghini, you know, posting and whatever. So they immediately assume that in order for me to have that lifestyle, I need to be an entrepreneur. That's where now everything goes wrong. And that is where we have like the highest failure rate of entrepreneur in South Africa. It's because people enter entrepreneur, enter the space with the mindset that I want to drive a Lamborghini in the next uh, two years. Yes, it's, I'm not saying it's not possible. It's possible, but the mindset is wrong as to why you're entering this space, you know, of entrepreneurship. So I'd advise people, anyone who wants to start a business, that it's not, uh, it's not an easy thing. If you want to get in it because of the money, I've got bad news for you. It's not going to happen in the next five years or even 10 years. It's, it's not going to happen. It's it's a, not unless you're doing tenders, which is a different ball game altogether, you know. Uh, but for as long as you have a product or something uh, or a service, it takes time to build trust, you know, to build the network, to build the clientele, to build the product, to, you know, to refine the product, you know, for it to yield uh, good results that can afford you that lifestyle that you want. And you might actually spend even more than 20 years trying to you know, to, to harness the market and trying to get uh, the return on investments, but it, it's not overnight, which is what a lot of people think it is. And mm. yeah. Thank you so much, man. I really appreciate this. Yeah, thank you.